Hey you, and welcome to the pod for POCs, the show where Black, Indigenous, and people of color, aka BIPOCs, can come to have conversations about their college experience, life advice, and really anything on their mind. Hope you enjoy! Hello everyone, and welcome back. Today we have another episode surrounding the theme of identity, and today we have with us Amara. Amara, could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Amara Gordon. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I also attend the College of William and Mary, just like Jasmine. Um, I'm a sophomore, and God willing, I will graduate in 2023. (laughs) Yeah, and right now my plans are to major in psychology, perhaps a minor in sociology or linguistics. We're still kind of working it out. And I guess a fun fact about me is that I cannot stand the taste of coffee at all. And it's kind of sad because I still crave that energy that gives, but I just cannot bring myself to like get past the bitterness. So we just drink tea every morning. That's, Ooh, that's what we work on. Like I said, we're going back into the theme of identity part of season one. And this is our third episode. During this season, we've really just been discovering what identity is to people, uh, what they identify as, and how identity has played a role in their college experience and just overall their life in general. So Amara, what is identity to you and what do you identify as? Um, The first thing that comes to mind when I think about defining identity is the concept of labels and categories. And it's interesting because instead of trying to describe myself as a whole complete being, when asked about my identity, I tend to try to break down who I am into more digestible parts, and I automatically start to think about how I can classify myself in a way that allows for other people to understand who I am in reference to themselves, in reference to other individuals around us in society. And so I think this lends itself to two integral parts of identity, and the first one being kind of the fact that we are born and automatically introduced into the social world, and we're constantly surrounded by individuals, by other people, by society as soon as we're born. And so it's wrong to deny the role that society plays in shaping who we are. And so it's just a very like complex idea of how much you're shaped by society, but still kind of trying to keep in mind your individualistic aspects and not only defining yourself in reference to others. And so it's kind of just interesting the way that we have to keep in mind interpersonal relationships and how that impacts one's identity, and this dialectical process in which you're kind of building off of those around you to form yourself. So that's just really interesting, but kind of going back to how I would define identity or what identity is to me, I'd say like there's the surface level type of identity where when you're filling out a form or (laughs) a survey and it asks like how you identify with your race, your um, gender, sexuality, but there's also kind of a deeper identity I feel where it's this amalgamation of every part of your life that has considerably shaped you. Like I mentioned earlier, the social kind of aspects, but also anything that you would feel um, kind of incomplete if you did not have it, if it wasn't part of you. And so if you feel like you wouldn't be yourself if that aspect wasn't in your life, then I would say that constitutes as a part of this deeper identity. So with this two kind of layered identity, I'd say that in the surface level, what I would check off on boxes and how I present myself on forums is I'm a black 
cisgender woman. But beyond that, I would identify as kind of this helpful but non-confrontational, introverted but still enjoying the presence of others, kind of borderline perfectionist, who's more often than not holding back laughter because I tend to find humor in almost everything. And I would definitely contribute a lot of these traits, a lot of how I identify myself with the way that I grew up as being a middle child with three other sisters. And so I feel I kind of have a lot of mixtures of traits and it's kind of weird to put myself into one type of category or not. So it's just very, a lot of complexities with how I identify. So throughout this whole podcast, a lot of what we've talked about uh, relating to identity has really just been about, you know, in this city, what race do we define ourselves as? And I know I talked about um, during my first episode and uh, my second episode, which is coming out soon, uh, just talking about, you know, how I am Latinx and, and how just my life experience have really shaped that. But I think it's really, you know, important, like you said, to also take into consideration, you know, the many other aspects that contribute to our holistic identity, right? So instead of just focusing on like your race or ethnicity, um, like you said, you can also focus on like your gender, sexuality, what you identify as, or your religion and um, your faith and, and how that has also made you and begun to mold you and form the identity that you have. And going back to the point that you said about um, when we're asked the question, like, what is identity? We really just try to like break it down into categories. But I feel like when we break it down into these categories, like a lot of times, like we also compare ourselves to other people who are in those categories. And I also mentioned this, um, I believe in the first episode where I was talking to Sarah just about how like, you know, we feel like, well, I personally have felt in the past that I belong to two different worlds, right? The main reason that I felt that way was because I was comparing myself so much to the people who actually identified as Latinx, right? Um, and were like proud to say that. And like people like me who were kind of just like figuring that out. And another example of like, um, of how I guess I do that and kind of just like compare myself to other people within a certain category is like um, my religion. I'm Pentecostal Christian. And I feel like a lot of times, like I'll kind of just compare myself to other people within my faith and within my religion. But I think like as humans, we tend to just compare ourselves within certain aspects like that. So I think it's really interesting that, you know, like you bring it back to this whole holistic um, aspect and perspective to know that, you know, one thing will not define a person, you know, like your race doesn't completely define you. Your sexuality doesn't completely define you, you know, stuff like this doesn't completely define you because like you said, like it's a whole person. And I feel like the main point of identity is really coming to that point of realizing that you are a whole person and you deserve to really be recognized as that whole person instead of just, I guess, having one aspect that characterizes you. No, definitely. Just to kind of like um, piggyback off of your mention about kind of comparison in the ways that within the groups that you identify as or within the communities that share your identity. And it's reminds me of very much so when I on campus when I first went to uh, the Black Student Union um, organization meetings and the ways I, like, of course, we're all Black um, students on campus, but I would be comparing myself in the ways of, and how I represented my Blackness on campus and whether it was something that I felt I was downplaying or whether I was not being as representative of Black individuals on campus. So it's just kind of difficult to come to terms with trying to connect to other individuals who share a certain identity of yours, but also not taking the relation that is between you guys, not taking 
how they are in relation to you to kind of affect or perpetuate a standard of only one type of individual of that identity, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I feel like I had a, you know, similar experience to that. Um, Cause you know, when I went to campus and, and when I joined law student and everything, I loved the community and everything, but I think I was still in the process of, you know, really figuring out that identity and really um, making the foundation, you know, for my identity, um, which I, I believe that I'm still doing, you know, I'm still creating that I'm still processing it and it's still in the works. I don't think it's ever going to completely, you know, be complete because I feel like as you go through life, you know, you're constantly building that identity. But when I got to law, so I, I felt the same way, you know, I felt like, oh, am I like actually a true good representation of what it means to be a Latinx in college? And I think it goes back to that whole idea of being like a model minority. You know, you want to be the best, you want to, you know, be the best for the community. You want to be the smartest, you want to be the most hardworking. Um, just to prove yourself because of, you know, the color of our skin. And and I think, you know, I think that really affected me and then just trying to um, make my relationships within that community, but also in just in general in the William Mary community. And that leads me into my next question. Would you say William Mary is a comfortable environment for you? It's kind of odd because with that question, it definitely reminds me of what you just mentioned about kind of model minority. And I felt that even though I don't think that individuals at William and Mary are actively trying to like ostracize others i feel like it's very kind loving community accepting community but i still cannot help but alter how i present myself when i'm in a room with mostly white people and i think it plays into this model minority idea kind of like with stereotype threat as well and just being extra careful and aware of everything i do what i say how i present myself because i don't want to end up cementing a harmful stereotype that they may carry about black people or about people of color in general and kind of just wanting to yes be that kind of model minority kind of fall into this respectability politics of saying I've worked hard I've tried like I've gotten to this prestigious university and trying to prove myself to them and I think that kind of led to me kind of just being a little bit doubtful in, at certain times of whether or not I truly belonged there or if I was just an exception just trying to kind of get the college to be more diverse and inclusive in just a way that they do that. And so I think it just kind of, it's an odd relationship because it's not explicit and it's like discomfort, but I feel like some of the ways that the campus and individuals on campus act can be seen as kind of performative as well. And just, it doesn't seem like a true, at least yet, I think it's moving towards that or at least attempting to, but it doesn't seem like a true community that is allowing for the flourishing of these individuals that come from different backgrounds of these BIPOCs. And so even in like half of the classes I took last year, it was me and a handful of other Black people or um, BIPOCs in the class. And I have yet to have a professor who is not white. And so it's not the intention, it doesn't seem like it's that intention, but the limited numbers of professors and students of color just can kind of make it seem like there's this artificial type of move toward inclusion and diversity that can make me feel at a distance and not truly incorporated into the campus, if that makes sense. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you said, going back to how you kind of sometimes, you know, like, will present yourself in a certain way in front of, you know, uh, white people. And that really goes back to, you know, the whole point that I was making um, during my first episode about, like, you know, code switching and how I would 
kind of subconsciously do it sometimes, but sometimes I would really try my best to kind of elevate that language and, and really bring out the best in me, if you will, um, to really, I guess, impress those people, impress white people, right? So that they wouldn't have a bad impression of BIPOC or bad impression of, you know, Latinx people. Um, and it just, yeah, it just goes back to everything that you said about how, you know, sometimes as minorities, like it feels like, you know, you have to put your best foot forward constantly because if you don't, and if you mess up in some way, or if you say the wrong thing, or if you present yourself in the wrong way or dress the wrong way, like there is a chance that someone will take that and, you know, kind of generalize that for the whole community, which is something that, you know, I would hate you know, following up on what you said about the faculty at William Mary. Yeah, true. Like, it's so true what you said, because I personally, I've had one um, black professor in biology, Dr. Hinton. Uh, she was amazing. I love the way she taught. But that was, you know, one out of probably 15 or more professors that I've had um, in college so far, you know. And so I think just the lack of representation is just it just really, it kind of hurts sometimes, you know, because it's like an institution like William Mary who promotes like, you belong here. And yes, I do believe that, you know, that we do belong at William Mary, like we deserve to be there. But sometimes, you know, it's really hard to wholeheartedly acknowledge that if you have no one who looks like you actually teaching you. Um, and no one who looks like you actually teaching like about certain issues that, you know, go beyond just like, I guess the surface of academia. Um, and so I think that's really just hurt in some ways because it's like, dang, like, you know, there's no one who looks like me um, who works here. But I think it also kind of, to some extent, just pushes that whole idea of being a model minority and, you know, having to be the best of the best to get to where you need to, which really sucks because it's a lot of pressure on you. Kind of just make yourself known, um, which other people, don't have to deal with, which white people don't have to deal with, you know? And so I think that's been the hardest part about being at William Mary. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, we, I think we are moving towards it, but I think not at the rate that I would like, you know, I, I think we could be doing a lot more to get to where we want to be, but I think it also depends on, you know, like our president and the board of visitors and just the people who actually, you know, have big impacts on William Mary. And I'm not saying students don't have a big impact, we do, but you know, money talks. Um, and like Sarah said in the first episode, like college is a business. And so I feel like until those people are truly able to make those changes and really listen to the students and what changes we want to see, then we will have that progress towards more diversity and more specifically, more inclusion. And I just wanna kind of carry on what you're talking about money talks and how this is kind of this institution even though it is an institution of higher learning, that it is kind of focused and centralized on where the money comes from. And because so many of William & Mary alumni are in love with this idea of William & Mary as this kind of like the second oldest um, institution or college and university, and it kind of just parading that history that they see as so impressive, even though it's actually so racist and oppressive. And it's just, kind of those ideas, it's difficult, at least for me on campus, to want to try to show that school spirit and be like accept of, accepting of how impressive the school is because of how old it is, but also like reluctant to do so because it's problematic and in doing so, I feel like I am al allowing them or saying that I'm okay with what it has done in the past. And 
I just, it's just weird because there's constant reminders, like the names of buildings, the names of residence halls. It's all of these just like civil war, those Confederate generals, all these individuals who, if you really look into them, they are not upstanding citizens. I don't really know <laughs> how or why they got their names on these buildings, but it's the type of history that the alumni really relate to and the alumni like to see and the alumni are proud to say that my alma mater is was like stood through so many times in my alma mater like even though we're built by slaves on stolen land just like that kind of history and so it's a complex way to remedy both still wanting to support the school and being proud of the institution but loving it in a way that you want it to acknowledge and confront that past and move like beyond it instead of just staying in its constant state of being proud of how far it's come just like wanting to push it to do more if that makes sense yeah yeah that 100 percent made sense and like i agree i feel like like you said like a lot of times when i'm just walking around campus like i'll really take a second you know to kind of just i guess fully understand where i i'm standing right like fully understand where i am just understand you know I guess the foundation of this university and like you said like the racist and oppressive things that it's done in the past and that it continues to do now you know um and i think in the college not acknowledging that you know our college was built by slaves that we did have you know um a school for uh native americans that tried to assimilate them into you know american culture i think because we're not acknowledging that we're having a lot of trouble because you know we have a president who doesn't want to acknowledge that who frankly doesn't care about the student body um whatsoever and we've clearly seen that through her actions with covid her actions with um you know the seven athletic departments that were defunded just shows i guess how much our institution really cares about us um and so i think that's just a really you know deep discussion to go into and i think like I said, I feel like we have a long way to go before we're going to be able to truly um, work towards that. But I do believe that there are some programs, you know, on campus who are wholeheartedly working towards that, you know, like understand it and then progressively move forward so that our campus no longer is a place of oppression and racism, but more of a place of acceptance. Um, so I'm glad that we're doing that. But like I said, I think we have a long way to go. And so I hope, you know, that one day maybe my children uh, will be able to see that, you know, and be able to see that my alma mater actually cared about me at one point. Um, but moving into our next question, this one is gonna throw us back a little, um, but if you could go back to senior year of high school, what would you tell yourself about college? My answer to this question kind of stems away from what we've been focusing on so far, because I know we've been talking a lot about racial, ethnic identity, and feeling comfortable in terms of like social aspects and how you um, identify yourself on campus and how individuals like kind of talk about or relate to and react to that. But if I could go back to my senior year self, I think I would tell her something more along the lines of the academic side of college. And I would tell her that there's so much more to her identity than academic excellence. When I was in, <laughs> when I was in high school so much of myself i was just focused on getting to that next like step getting into college and then kind of just making sure i'm proving myself to other people and it was a very competitive 
situation in high school that I am upset to say that I definitely did take it as a competition instead of looking at my peers as individuals I could cooperate with and learn with. And so I would say that there are aspects of who you are that are more important than grades, more important than where you stand academically in relation to others. And also kind of going off of that, just being cognizant of how others have shaped you and using that to be grateful for that instead of kind of using them to tear them down, like to build off of them. I'm sorry, I'm not being really articulate, but kind of viewing individuals in a different way. I would like, I would like my high school um, self to view the peers, view the people around me as individuals that we can build up and kind of advance together instead of using them as stepping stones to get where I'd like to be. And I feel like also this kind of the prestige of William and Mary as an institution kind of transforms into this academic pressure. And with individuals, they always, at least in my classes, they're always talking about how we are such smart individuals for getting into this college. And we're like, as academics, we are one of the best and one of the best institutions for research and for learning. And it's this kind of perpetuates this idea that we must continually score high on tests and assignments to get that type of um, kind of reaction to get that type of category and labeling. And it just is kind of harmful in some aspects because I know at least for me, I spent so much time in the library during that first semester of college because I was constantly, if I wasn't working, I was like, there are individuals who don't have to study as long as I do to get this this concept. And there are individuals who came into college already familiar with something I have no idea about. And that's why they're able to have fun. But you are kind of, you're not at that level yet. There's still so much you can do. There's still so much you can learn. And so building off of, or kind of coming together of the prestige and academic pressure of this institution, as well as that competitiveness that I got from high school, I came in here very much saying like, I'm here to learn. I'm here to really just master material. I'm here to focus on academics only. And of course, we're paying to attend an institution in this way that you should take your academics seriously. But I feel like I took it to the point where I was neglecting my social relationships. It was bad where half the time, like people in my dorm, like I never see you, what's going on? And it was just putting a strain on other aspects of my life in that way. So I feel like it's important if I were to go back and tell my high school self or my senior year self to take the time then to realize that it's more important to partition time away from academics to what you're interested in, what you like to forming and kind of just maintaining those friendships you have because in the end, that's what's most important and putting individuals above grades and academics and instead of it being the other way around. So I feel like that's what I would tell my younger self. Yeah, and that also goes into um, when you were mentioning, you know, making more time and for friends and just that social life that goes so hand in hand, you know, with mental health um, and just being able to really give yourself and allow yourself time to really get outside of just academia, right? And just, you know, spend time with yourself, spend time with people that you love and just do that. And I feel like I had a similar experience to yours where, you know, my first semester, um, I really fell into this mindset of, we are William Mary. We are, you know, a good school. We're a top school. You know what I mean? And everyone that's here, everyone who's made it here is the top of their class. Um, you know, and so we were all very smart. 
and people constantly reminded that we're all very smart but personally there were times where you know there were a lot of concept that i had no idea about you know that i i i had never been exposed to in the past or that i just couldn't understand and so i felt like you know at that point like you said like i would spend hours in the library or um at sadler in my room and just thinking about oh like there are other people who know this and that and like i don't and i think it really took me like until second semester to really realize that other people had advantages you know other people had more resources other people went to better schools other people you know had the luxury of getting those resources and because of that they're doing better and it's not because you're they're smarter it's just because they had better opportunities um so you know even there the standing ground wasn't even um and i was already behind because i didn't have those advantages but i think when i began to learn that i began to also understand that i couldn't allow myself to put that much pressure on me and just real quick um just wanted to add on to two points that you made just with the uneven playing ground kind of going back to the way that we, the kind of false narrative that you paint that other individuals even though you all made it to this point that other individuals are kind of better than you in certain aspects just i think it really plays to the importance or the way that race and just the structure social structures of our society and how that just pervades every aspect of our lives and just even like the history of the united states the way that these structures have been built are still having effects on us today on what bipocs have access to and the ways that they are able to kind of formulate their education formulate this path to higher education and learning and the opportunities they have available to them and the way that it still continues to limit them. I just think that was just like a really good point for you to make about how it is not an even playing ground that even though we both have made it to this point that there have been opportunities that white people have had that BIPOCs would have had no access to because of these long-standing structures over our history. The second point that I um, kind of wanted to carry off from what you were saying is the idea that, yeah, it's so important to not fall into this mindset of waiting for a future moment for when things will be good. Because I know, at least it's for me, I don't know about how applicable or generalizable this can be, but for me, and especially in high school at the beginning of, and at the beginning of first semester, I was like, okay, when it's second semester and when I'm settled in and when I've really got accustomed to this campus, that's when I'll have fun. That's when things will be good. That's when I'll make the good memories. When it's, or like when it's Friday or Saturday, that's when I'll go out with my friends. Even if I had the opportunity or something was going on, I'll be like, no, I'll wait until a later time when that's when I'll make the good memories. That's when I'll look back and have the good times instead of living in this moment and taking advantage of the opportunities that I had in that present moment to do so. And it's just important, like you were saying, to just be grateful for that present moment and realizing that not everything is promised. It's kind of like a cliche or kind of thing, but you're right. Just like to live in that moment, do not wait and do not put off your ability to have enjoyable times, not to like disregard all your responsibilities, but to better balance and not just say, okay, well, like for example, in high school, I was like, I'm just gonna work hard now and in college, that's when I'll have fun and that's when I'll explore my interests and that's when I'll figure out who I truly am. And then going on to first semester, freshman year, I was like, okay, now this is the time to really, like you were saying, prove myself, 
again, because it's a whole new um, like slate and they don't know like my work ethic, they don't know what I'm capable of. So it's time to really make a name for myself and then I will go. And once I kind of have a foundation, then I'll have fun. But no, it's just important to kind of not try to like try to break away from that because when I look back on those moments, they are not the pos most positive memories. Like you're right with move-in day and everything. I didn't put up any pictures or anything in my room for like a good couple of weeks because I was just so focused on trying to adjust and trying to make my myself comfortable there instead of just really um, focusing on the enjoyable moments that presented themselves. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that idea of, you know, constantly looking for that, you know, future moment for ha just happiness and joy. Cause I also did that throughout high school. Um, I did it that first semester. Sometimes I still do it now, you know, like in high school, I was like, okay, when I get to college, I'll have fun. Um, and when I got to college, I was like, all right, when I graduate college, I'll have fun. When I become a doctor, I'll have fun. You know, it's like a bunch of these things where I'm kind of just pushing off that happiness and, and trying to find it later because I want to focus so much, you know, on proving myself, um, which is really bad. Um, and I think it also, you know, it kind of just, it just goes back to that central theme of just like, you know, making sure that you as a human are well, you know, that your well-being is healthy and that you are putting your mental health above honestly everything because if you don't have good mental health and a lot of things suffer in your life um and taking time you know to really enjoy those moments um because like you said like it's it's a once in a lifetime honestly like it never comes back um so before we leave do you have any last words you'd like to share i just want to one to say thank you because i'm grateful to have this opportunity and this kind of platform that you allowed me to share my opinion, share kind of my takes on these important concepts and to have conversations such as these because I feel like more often than not in everyday situations and even just kind of more interactions, regardless of whether it's more of an acquaintance or a friend, I don't find myself able to or like with a moment to discuss concepts and topics like this. And I think it's so helpful to really share your ideas, share your standings on these um, ideas and to make it something that is like, that it's fine to talk about and really just open up this conversation and allow individuals to relate and feel heard and connected. So I just wanna say thank you for that. And I appreciate that. And I think that this is a great, this podcast and idea is just really awesome. And on just overall kind of a theme that I feel touches on everything we've done is just to be gentle and accepting and more forgiving of yourself, whether it be with, if you're not quite sure who you are, what identity is to you, just being accepting of that, knowing that it's a process, like you were saying earlier, that there may not ever be a time where you're fully certain and cemented in your idea of who you are and what you identify as. And kind of also just having less extremist views or black and white thinking because reality doesn't exist in the extremes. And so you will never get to a point where you're completely one thing and not the other. And so just accepting that, accepting the moment as it is, accepting your time on campus if, you're, if you are a bike park um, attending a PWI, and just knowing that it may not be that great best college experience that you had in mind, but it will neither be the worst times of your life. And just allowing yourself to have this comfortable uh, moments, these enjoyments of that time in the middle, of that time where it may be a good and a bad kind of mixed together. So just kind of accepting, like we were saying, accepting and rejoicing in the present moment and just falling into, leaning into that idea that everything will work itself out. Everything happens for a reason and 
if it's not the best ex experience, you will learn from it. It will prompt growth and reflection and improvement on your behalf. And it might allow whatever um, experience or institution like on the other end to kind of promote a change in their um, sense as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I loved you know, the conversation that we had and just being able to talk about this. And um, I just want to say, if you want to find out more about me, I only really have an Instagram, but it's A-M-X-R-A underscore G if you want to check that out. But other than that, thank you again, Jasmine. I appreciate it. This was the pod for POCs. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and be on the lookout for episodes coming really soon. Don't forget, I love you and see you next time. Adios. Thank you.